0: How's it going everybody, welcome to another episode of English Encore, I'm your host Nick English, thank you guys for tuning in. Today we're talking about some of the best backcourts in the NBA, and I'm gonna tell you which one I think is the best and why. We're talking about if the Blue Jays are the team of the future in the MLB. We'll be taking a look at my MVP and Super Bowl predictions for the NFL. And then we're gonna do some way too early Stanley Cup predictions. So let's get right into it and start off with some NBA backcourts. So I'm gonna give you my top five NBA backcourts, but before I do that, I'm gonna give you some honorable mentions. We have Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers. Brogdon was acquired in a trade from the Milwaukee Bucks this offseason. I think those two together create a very big dynamic duo, especially because they're both offensive and defensive-minded players. They're good on both ends of the court. However, Oladipo and Brogdon are both coming off injuries. Brogdon did play in the playoffs last year, but he missed most of the season injury. And then Oladipo missed pretty much the entire year last year with a knee injury so he'll be back healthy this year. Um, Ben Simmons and Josh Richardson in 76ers, another honorable mention. Um, Richardson was acquired in the Jimmy Butler deal that sent Butler to the Miami Heat in the offseason. I think those two together are actually one of the more interesting backcourts in the NBA just because they're both really good defensively. Um, Ben Simmons is one of the most elite up-and-coming young players in the NBA. I think once he establishes that jump shot is where 76ers can really take that next step, but until he does that, um, I think they're still going to struggle to compete with Milwaukee and even teams like the Celtics and the Nets once Kevin Durant's healthy. And then finally, we got De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald of the Kings. I think they're the most interesting young and -and up-and-coming backcourt in the NBA. Heald's one of the better shooters in the NBA. He was in a three-point contest last year. Can really stroke it from downtown. And then De'Aaron Fox is probably the fastest player in the NBA. Probably closest to Russell Westbrook. Darren Fox is another one. Once he starts getting an outside shot to fall, he can be extremely dangerous. He's got a good mid range game and really crafty around the rim. But until he gets that long ball down, I think they're still out inside the top five. So then, getting my top five backcourts in the NBA started at number five with the Utah Jazz with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell really exploded onto the scene last year for the Utah Jazz. Jazz is one of those teams that they're consistently in the playoffs They have a great coach in Quinn Snyder but they don't really have that superstar player but they were able to kind of go out and get that this offseason by trading for Mike Conley. Mike Conley is one of the best guards in the NBA. His biggest problem was his health but I think if he can stay fully healthy having Donovan Mitchell on his side and then one they added Bogdanovich in the offseason. They create for one of the strongest backcourts in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell so young, he's only going to get better. And I think having that veteran presence of Mike Conley is only going to make that dynamic even better. Uh, number four, I have John Wall and Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. So I did these rankings based on if injuries haven't occurred because a lot of players right now are injured, which we'll get into once we get towards the top of the list. But I think when John Wall and Bradley Beal are both healthy, They can make an argument to be in the top three, but right now, um, John Wall's had a little bit of trouble staying healthy the past few years. And then they've just gotten knocked out early rounds in the playoffs. Um, Bradley Beal's a great three-point shooter. John Wall is not. John Wall's probably one of the top three passers, however, at the point guard position. When those two are healthy, they definitely make a strong run in the Eastern Conference every year. It's just the front court isn't there for them to compete with the up-and-coming Bucks and Celtics, Nets, and other teams in the East, even the Pacers. Um, So hopefully John Wall is going to recover from that Achilles injury. We'll see if he'll be able to even return at the end of this season. But him and Beal together are definitely one of the top five in the NBA. Then I have James Harden and Russell Westbrook at number three. Westbrook was acquired in Oklahoma, from Oklahoma City this offseason. to reunite after playing together multiple years ago in Oklahoma City. Um, the biggest reason I have them at number three and not higher is solely because of the offense they run. They're very much run and gun, and D'Antoni likes to have them shoot a lot of threes. Russell Westbrook isn't the greatest three-point shooter. Another reason is even though they're a little bit farther in their careers from when they played together, when they did play together before, even though it was a little bit different because Harden was more of the six-man there, and Westbrook was a lot younger and was dealing with some injuries then, um, I just don't know if they meshed that well together. Harden's very much a ball-dominant guard. even saw him struggle with a guy like Chris Paul, who's one of the top five, six-point guards in the NBA, in my opinion. Um, and I just think Russell Westbrook's going to struggle in that type of offense. I think it, the only good thing is he'll be able to drive and kick to a lot of three-point shooters because they have Eric Gordon. Austin Rivers, Harden, other guys off the bench, but Westbrook really does struggle shooting three ball. We saw that in the playoffs against Portland, so I'm not sure if they're really going to be able to thrive as much as many people think they are. I actually don't even think they're going to be a top three seed in the West in my opinion. Um, a lot of people would probably disagree with that, but I just don't think them together is going to be as great as everyone thinks they are. Um, going in number two, a team that eliminated Russell Westbrook and Paul George in the Thunder. This postseason is Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Um, I give those two a lot of credit just because those two guys have never asked for help in the front court, trying to go out and get another superstar to join them. They've always just done it themselves. After last year when they got swept by the Pelicans, a lot of people were counting out Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. People were questioning if they should break up. Um, Drew Holiday did a really good job in that series of locking down Damian Lillard. But as you saw in this postseason, Damian Lillard took it to a whole nother level. Same with C.J. McCollum. Lillard completely outplayed Russell Westbrook the entire first round, which is the reason I have him higher. Then C.J. McCollum really carried the Blazers in the second round when they need him against the Nuggets. And then they just got beat by a better team in the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. I think those two together are really the best backcourt in the NBA besides number one, which I'll get to right now. And that's when healthy Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. um, I don't think it's really that close. I think Lillard and McCollum and Harden and Westbrook are really going to be coming for that spot. But right now, those two together are just too good. They're the greatest backcourt ever shooting-wise. Steph's well-known as the greatest shooter ever in the game. Um, They've had three rings together, and they open up the floor for everyone else just because of how far they can shoot it from. I mean, once Steph... Walks across half court. You have to pick him up, or he can hit it from anywhere. And the big thing with Clay is his shooting stroke is just so pure. And he can also create off the dribble, not as much as Steph, but those two just open up the floor for so much more. Um, Draymond Green's really great in the pick and roll. That's really going to help with Willie Cauley Stein getting to the rim this year. And then some of their shooters off the bench. I know they lost Iguodala, Quinn Cook, and Sean Livingston off the bench, but they got some young guys. Alfonso McKinney can shoot it off the bench. So we'll see what they do, but there, you also got to remember they got D'Angelo Russell in that trade from the Brooklyn Nets, so he's going to fill in at that two guard spot till Clay gets back. So once Clay gets back, I think that's just going to open up the core even more for a guy like Russell to shoot a lot of threes and get to mid range and pick his spots. And just Clay and Steph together is just so fun to watch. I know a lot of people in the NBA hate the Warriors because of the dynasty and because Kevin Durant joined the winningest team ever in the NBA, but I respect the Warriors and the fact that they drafted Steph and Clay and really built it up from the bottom. And I think Mark Jackson doesn't get enough credit for that. But I think right now Steph and Clay are just well above a lot of the other backcourts NBA. As I mentioned, Damon CJ are coming in and we'll see what Harden and Westbrook can do this year. But for right now, Stephen Steph and Clay Thompson are definitely the best backcourt in the NBA in my opinion. So now we're talking about some baseball, whether or not the Blue Jays are a team of the future. So the Toronto Blue Jays are a pretty interesting team just because you look a few short years back, they were a few pitches and a couple good at-bats away from potentially being in the World Series when they had Jose Batista, Josh Donaldson, Edwin Encarnacion, and they acquired David Price at the trade deadline. It was a really good team, and then it kind of just fell apart after that because Price left in the offseason, and Batista got injured and just wasn't really the same. So now they're one of the most young and -and up-and-coming teams in the MLB, I know they've really struggled this year, but since they really started calling up guys like Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio, um, the Blue Jays have really been hitting the ball really well and playing a lot better. And I think in a few years, the Blue Jays can really compete not only in the playoffs, but for a World Series. I know their pitching's a little iffy right now. They got Anthony Kay and Simon Woods Richardson in the Marcus Stroman trade, which I still don't know if I agree with just because Stroman's so young and the potential he has. They also have Sean Reed Foley, Nate Peterson, and a couple other young pitchers who are out with injuries this year. But you just look at their infield and outfield as far as their young guys go. You got Reese McGuire, catcher, is only 24. Bo Bichette at shortstop, 21. Calvin Biggio, outfielder, 24. I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You can already see that he has the potential to be a Hall of Famer. And I know that's bold of me to say for how young he is, and he's only playing his first year really in the MLB. But You can just see the way he swings the bat. You can see how he gets compared to his dad, and he's only 20 years old. And I think a lot of people thought he wasn't going to be that great of a fielder, but from what I've seen, he's actually been pretty good at third base. I haven't seen a lot of errors from him. I think he actually has one of the highest fielding percentage amongst rookies at third base position. Then you got Rowdy Teles and Lourdes Goriel Jr., who are 24 and 25, respectively. And they've been a little bit interesting because Guriel struggled really a lot at the beginning of the season. He got sent down to AAA in Buffalo. Then once he got recalled, he was rejuvenated. He's been hitting a lot of home runs. And then Teles, during the time when Guriel was down was really thriving. And once Gurriel came back up, he kind of slacked off and he got sent back down. He's now in Buffalo. So they're kind of trying to figure that whole thing out. But I think Telez is going to do the same thing that Guriel did if he gets a chance to come back up at the end of the year. But they just have a lot of young talent. And if you're looking at AL East and what's around them. Baltimore is honestly just a disaster. They pretty much let go of all their good players, and they, for some reason, held on to Chris Davis, which, of any of the players they had from the past, between Machado, Adam Jones, anyone else, probably should have been the first one to go. But So they're pretty much no competition in the AL East. Tampa's had a great year, but the real question is, are they going to be able to sustain that over time? I don't know if they have... All the pieces in place to do so I know they've had great pitching this year um, it's just kind of one of those you can't tell if it's going to be something that's going to be for the long term or if it's just one of those one year things that they have a great year and then they fall back off and then the Red Sox you just never know you know one year they win the World Series and next year they really struggle to even contend for a playoff spot um, Chris Sales I think struggled a little bit more than people thought this year Um, Their lineup's been very up and down hitting. I know they have Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts. Um, So they're still definitely going to be a team that's competing. But I think the Blue Jays can really compete with the Red Sox for that second spot in the AL East. And even the first, I mean, I know the Yankees have so much power in their lineup between Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, John Carlos Stanton when he's healthy, and then you have Gardner and just a lot of talent overall. And then DJ LeMahieu what he's done this year, but just all about can they sustain that over time. And that's pretty much the same for any MLB team. And it's just a matter of is the long ball going to carry the Yankees as far as they want to go. We saw last offseason, once they weren't able to hit, they kind of fell off. And the pitching this year hasn't been great. Um, Tanaka and Paxton have both been up and down. I think Haps had a bad years. CC has been injured most of the year. Um, Germond's had a great year. I think he's been their best and most consistent pitcher, honestly. Um, but it's just, once again, it's hard to tell if the Yankees are gonna be able to sustain that. Um, the Yankees spend a lot of money every year, so it's always one of those they can attract the big free agents in the market, um, just because the history behind the Yankees and everything. But there's a lot of good free agent pitchers coming up that I think if the Blue Jays can go out and get a couple to go along with the young guys they have. I think they're really going to be a threat. Um, Chris Archer has a team option with the Pirates. Garrett Cole is going to be a free agent. Zach Wheeler, Madison Bumgarner, Dallas Keuchel. And then Corey Kluber will see if he gets his team option picked up. So if you go out and add a few guys like that, um, whether that's in free agency or you try to trade for another pitcher, I know they trade Stroman. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what the Blue Jays can do going forward. Um, and then you think in a few years down the line, Next year's a little tough just because they still are retaining $14 million from Troy Tulowitzki's contract. But next year, Russell Martin's contract comes off the books too. Um, MLB cap and free agency is a little bit different compared to other sports just because of how the money works. But I truly think if the Blue Jays can go out and get a couple veteran pitchers and some of these young pitchers keep developing, um, I think guys like Bichette, Guerrero Jr. and Garriel can really carry that offensive load, and I think their feelings good enough that they can be in a lot of games next year. And I think in two to three years down the line, the Blue Jays are actually gonna be one of the teams to beat not only just in the AL East, but in the entire MLB. So now getting into some football, we're talking about potential NFL MVP and then my Super Bowl pick. So we'll start with MVP. I'm gonna give you guys my top three candidates and then a few wild cards. So we'll start with the defending MVP, Patrick Mahomes. I think he has to be in that conversation once again. I think once you win an MVP trophy, the year after, you pretty much have to be at the top of that list or in that conversation. And I think the Chiefs are really going to be pushing for a Super Bowl run this year. Um, The offense is still fully loaded with Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and then since Tyreek Hill isn't suspended, that wide receiving core is probably one of the best in the NFL, if not the best if you're including Kelsey with a tight end position in that conversation. Um, And I know they lost Kareem Hunt, but Damian Williams did a really nice job at the running back position. So I think Patrick Mahomes is set for another great year. I don't think he's going to have quite the year he had last year, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he's up in that 40 to 45 touchdown range and the Chiefs are one of the top teams in the NFL. Um, Then you look at the Saints. I have Alvin Kamara. Um, I think Kamara got actually hurt a little bit with having Mark Ingram there just because when you got more towards the goal line in the short yardage, um, he got some carries taken away from him by Mark Ingram. So now that he's on Baltimore, and I know they brought in Latavius Murray to kind of replace him as the downhill goal back. but I think because Murray's nowhere near as talented as Mark Ingram was, I think that's only an uptick Kamara in the workload, and Michael Thomas is on the outside. But other than that, they really don't have another number two go-to receiver, and is so huge in the passing game that I think he's really going to have a monster year where he could have over 1,000-plus um, in the rushing game. And I think he could have five to 600 yards receiving as well. And I think the Saints are going to be another team and they're going to be pushing for Super Bowl They kind of got screwed out of it last year with that whole um, Rams game and the pass interference. Um, my third MVP pick is Christian McCaffrey. Um, he's the do-it-all, all-purpose back. He can catch out of the backfield. He's downhill runner through the tackles and outside. I think the biggest reason I don't have McCaffrey higher for MVP, even though I think he's probably one of the most talented, is just because I don't know if the Panthers are going to be in the playoffs or not. you got Cam coming off an injury. I think if you look at past MVPs, a lot of them have to be on playoff teams. You rarely see a guy get an MVP not in the NFL on a team that's not competing for the playoffs or in the playoffs. So I think because McCaffrey's on that bubble, he'll definitely be in that conversation but I don't think he's going to win it. And then a few wild cards, a couple quarterbacks, young guys. I have Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson, both on teams that are going to be competing for the playoffs here. Um, Baker Mayfield and Browns have a ton of hype just because of the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. They also have Darvis Landry, David Njoku, Nick Chubb. They got Kareem Hunt. In the offseason, so they're definitely gonna be a team to watch. Mayfield, a huge rookie year. I think he's gonna take it to the next step this year as well. Deshaun Watson's always interesting just because you saw the way he played in college and how he captured the momentum off crowd and everything and just making the best of a situation that might not be the best. And he has DeAndre Hopkins, but other than that, Will Fuller's been injured like every year. They did just acquire Duke Johnson, so. I think Deshaun Watson's really interesting this year, especially in a division that's going to be pretty tight just because you have Andrew Luck and the Colts. The Titans had a really good year last year. Marcus Mariota is going to be coming off an injured um, shoulder, so we'll see how he recovers from that. The Titans are always just an interesting team because of their good defense, so we'll see where they're at. And Jacksonville is a wild card in that division as well. They've got Nick Foles. They've always had a very good defense. they got some guys coming back from injury on the offense side of the ball. They have Leonard Fournette see what they do, but Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson, definitely some wild cards. But overall, um, my MVP pick this year is Alvin Kamara. I think the Saints are going to be a top-two seed in the NFC, and I think Kamara's workload and just his ability to do things both on the ground and out of the backfield receiving the ball are really going to carry him to the MVP. I think, as I mentioned before, I could easily see him getting between 12 and 1300 rushing yards, and I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes that 1800 to 2000 all-purpose yards. Um, Drew Brees is really smart at getting the ball out quickly, and I think Kamara benefits from that because I think Drew Brees' first look is always going to be to Michael Thomas or to a tight end. But I think if Kamara's open quickly out of the backfield and not having Mark Ingram there is really going to help. And then talking about Super Bowl, I'm gonna do the same thing as I did kind of with MVP picks. I have three teams. Who I think are going to be right there, and then a few wild card teams. Um, if you asked me a few weeks ago, my pick would have been the Los Angeles Chargers, which they're one of my wild card teams. The only reason they dropped from really a Super Bowl contender to a wild card for me is because of the injuries and the whole Melvin Gordon thing. Uh, Melvin Gordon's still holding out because of not getting a new contract, and then they just had Derwin James, their promising rookie from last year. Um, he's going to be out upwards of three to four months with an ankle injury, um, and Joey both had some injury history in the past as well, so not to mention Phillip Rivers getting up their age, so they're definitely an interesting team just because when they're fully healthy, they're one of the best in the NFL, but last year, you saw when they got to New England, they just looked like deer in headlights and didn't know what to do, and I still don't know if that team is ready for that moment yet, and then I have the Bears as my other wildcard team, Um, They're a kicker away last year from being in the second round of the playoffs and who knows where they would have gone from there. Um, They have one of the best defenses in the NFL, Khalil Mack, makes his case for defensive player of the year. Even MVP conversation at some points last year. Then um, Nagy's a really good coach. I think he uses Trubisky really well. Um, They got rid of Jordan Howard, but I think that's actually beneficial just for, um, they got the up and coming running back Montgomery, and then Tariq Cohen just shows shifty, and you can use him in all sorts of sets, whether that's in the passing game or running game, and he's a good special teams player as well. Um, my top three teams competing for Super Bowl start with the two teams that were in it last year the Rams and the Patriots. Um, as much as I hate the Patriots being a Bills fan, you can't count out Tom Brady any year. Every time you do, he always. Seems to find a way to get himself into the Super Bowl. And with Bill Belichick and Breeze still at the helm, there's no reason to think it's going to be anything different. Um, Sean McVay, I think they're going to take last year's Super Bowl and use that as a learning tool. Their offense is fully loaded and back. Um, The only concern I have is Todd Gurley's knee and whether or not he's fully healthy. But if he's fully healthy and makes for the full season and they manage his workload, I think they're easily competing for a Super Bowl again. And then the Chiefs last year, Um, They were a play or two away from being in the Super Bowl. D4 jumps offside on the one play at the end of the game where Brady gets picked off, and then they get the play back, and Brady makes the most of it, and the Patriots end up in the Super Bowl. Um, Overall, the two teams I think that are going to make a Super Bowl are the Chiefs, and then one of my wildcard teams, the Bears, I actually think are going to make a Super Bowl run this year. But overall, I think the Chiefs this year are going to win the Super Bowl. I think this is finally Andy Reid's time show he's one of the best coaches not only in the game now but in NFL history you know he's been there before Um, he's been in the big moment and kind of hasn't come through at times but I think this year's finally the year Um, I think their defense is a lot better Um, they made the trade for flank Clark um, from Seattle they got Tyron Matthew on the back end Um, I know they lost Eric Berry because of injury issues but I think Matthew's really going to fill the void there Um, they got some great linebackers and then offense, sadly, as I mentioned before, that whole offense is one of the most stacked in the NFL between Watkins, Hill, Kelsey, and Williams. And then you have the reigning MVP and Patrick Mahomes. So I really think they're gonna take that next step this year and win the Super Bowl. Um, now we're gonna talk some hockey, some way too early Stanley Cup predictions. Um, you know, the hockey season's a long one, 82 games, and then you got the grueling amount of playoff games. But it's always fun to take a look early. Um, so I'm just going to give you my eight teams I have from both the East and the Western Conference, and then I'll give you my overall, uh, who I think is going to come out from both sides, and then Stanley Cup prediction. So the eight teams I have making the playoffs Eastern Conference, I have Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs, Washington Capitals, New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Carolina Hurricanes, and the Florida Panthers. So I think Florida... And the Hurricanes are the two more interesting teams, along with the Rangers. I think the Rangers have always been in a decent spot. I think last year, obviously, they had a down year just because they lost some players in free agency last year and just kind of stumbled out of the gate. But with Lundquist and Golan acquiring Panarin, or excuse me, signing Panarin in the offseason, is a huge move for them. I think the Hurricanes are going to take another step up from where they were last year. They have a lot of great up-and-coming young guys um, between Tara Vinen and Aho, And then their goaltending was a lot better than many people expected. And then Florida, I think, is the biggest wildcard team across the whole NHL for a lot of people. You know, they hired Quenville, they got Bobrovsky, they got some young guys, um, Barkov. And I think they could really make that jump and make the playoffs and really surprise some teams and be a team that a lot of people don't want to face. Um, I think the Capitals are always still going to be there. Same with the Penguins. And the Maple Leafs in Boston. And then you look at the Western Conference. I think the Predators, Blackhawks, Blues, Avalanche, Calgary, Dallas Stars, Vegas Golden Knights, and the Sharks are going to be the playoff teams on that side. I think it would be interesting to see if Vegas and the Sharks could meet in the first round this year after their whole debacle. Which, in my opinion, as many people think, Vegas got screwed in that series. I don't look at it that way to me You shouldn't allow four power play goals. If your defense is good enough, you should be able to at least hold them to two or three and not lose that game. Um, Calgary was interesting last year. They were a one seed and then got bumped out. Um, I think they're going to take another big step this offseason as well, Um, or this season, excuse me. Uh, Johnny Goudreau leading that team and always have confidence with a player like that. Um, Dallas is another interesting team just because they have Tyler Sagan. They were able to bring in Pavelski, Corey Perry in the offseason, some nice veteran pieces. Just be interesting to see if they get some better goaltending this year. They had some injuries in the net last year. Um, Stanley Cup champion Blues, I think they're going to be in there again. Uh, Avalanche, I really like what they did in the offseason. I thought they had probably one of the best offseason just draft-wise because of the picks they got for the Duchesne trade. Um, I think they're going to be a team that really competes for a Stanley Cup this year. I think the Blackhawks are a surprise team. I think they did some nice things in the offseason, signing Robin Leonard to reassure that goaltending spot. Anytime you still have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tabes, um, you're going to be in good shape, and they got some nice pickups at the end of last season with Andrew Shaw. Then the Predators, even though they lost P.K. Subban, they did some nice things in the offseason as well. Um, Pecorino is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, and they're pretty loaded on that front line with Philip Forsberg and some other guys. Um, Overall, I think it's going to be Tampa, versus the Predators in the Stanley Cup Final, where I think the Predators are going to win. Um, as much as I think Tampa's a great team and they can use last year as a building tool after they lost to Columbus, um, it's just very hard for me to see them winning. Um, I just don't know if they have it in them. Stamkos continues to get up there in age. Um, I know they have Kucherov, but they're still in some um, tight cap situation. We don't know if Brian Point's going to be back yet. And I think they're one of the most talented, if not the most talented team in the East. But I just don't see them beating um, some of these teams in the Western Conference. I mentioned Predators, Avalanche, Calgary, Vegas. All these teams made some significant offseason moves. And I don't, Tampa didn't really make, do anything too big or make a big splash. And I think the Predators are pretty good defensively. And I think Renee is going to have a good year in goal. So I think they're going to win the um, Stanley Cup this year for my way to early Stanley Cup predictions. Next week, we'll be talking about the Sabres' new jerseys this year for the gold season and my thoughts about them bringing back the Royal Blue for 2021. We'll talk about will the Bills trade LaShawn McCoy. We get in some UB men's hoops uh, preview of their upcoming season. And then we're going to be talking about Rasmus Ristolainen and some trade scenarios with him. Um, So that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. And I hope you guys tune in next week. Thank you. Uh.